0: Hello everybody, this is Anna and Brian from Amada World Podcast, and today we have our next guest for gaming episode, Sally. And we actually finished Games London Accelerator a certain time ago, and I think at that point you had produced Weirdren. Am I pronouncing it right? What's the way?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so Weirdren Games is the company that I was at, the Games London Accelerator.
0: Can you give a small introduction to yourself and your project and maybe your
1: background? Yeah, so um, I'm Sally Shepherd. I am the CEO of Weirdren Games. So that's my indie gaming company. Right now, I'm currently also doing like a million other things because I just can't say no to things. So I'm also the art director over at um, another indie studio, Arrogant Pixel. And I also teach game design um, on the Game Design BSc course at. The university of West London.
2: Yeah, it sounds like you're getting up to a lot of things. But uh, can you tell us, like, how did you first you know, got into gaming? Like, what was your earliest experience, and what you know made you decide that this was something you wanted to pursue as a career?
1: Um, I've always been a creative. That's probably I lean more creative than technological at first. So I've always been like an illustrator, concept artist. I went to university for concept art. I was always really like 2D focused and then during my university experience also did a little bit of 3D and managed to get into programming. And then during my final major project for university, I made a game, like a vertical slice of game, fell in love with the game making process, the narrative, the mechanics, all of that level design, and then graduated and put game making down and became a concept artist. Um doing freelance gigs, working in-house for some companies. Then the pandemic hit. <laughs> and a lot of concept art roles dried up very quickly and I had just come to the end of a concept art gig and was like panicking. The pandemic happened, we all got locked in our houses and I was like, "Oh, I'd really love to like pick up the actual game making bit, like the development bit again and I've got this cool idea for a game." I'm just going to try it. And then I basically just never stopped making the game and then released it after the pandemic and started the company, went on the Games London Accelerator program, learned a little bit more about pitching and funding and and managed to get some funding and make the game bigger and better. And that's kind of how I got into the games industry is by loving games, making games, accidentally founding a company and uh, releasing a game and maybe you can tell to our
0: audience a little bit more about this game how does it look like and maybe it's just like inspiration behind the whole game itself
1: yeah so the first game that i made was spellbound the magic within um it's a visual novel narrative point and click choose your own adventure style game with branching narrative 2d cute art very wholesome and the idea behind it was that i wanted to create a visual novel that wasn't overtly a dating sim or wasn't sort of anime inspired, but something that had a more 90s cartoon network vibe. Um, I really love visual novels, but there is this like lack of options when it comes to not just being like a very pretty anime girl. And I wanted to make like a beautiful character creator that people could really get behind and make themselves in. And I wanted to give character options that you didn't have to romance. So in the game as well, there's a lot of options there to have platonic friendships to romance or to just stay sort of completely business. Cause the characters are teaching you magic. So you can kind of have a student teacher relationship where it's like purely business, no, not even friendship. And I think those options are really pivotal in games because there are so many times that romance is like the only character development your character gets to have.
2: Yeah. So, like on on that, um, I'm sure there's like from what I remember of, of the game, there's there's a whole uh, narrative and there's a lot of background behind all the the characters and everything. Like, can can you share us uh, share with us what it is what was the most challenging part of the development of this game? Was it like uh, the character design, or any particular parts of the story that uh, that you found tricky?
1: For me, the character design—I want to say it was easy, but only because that's like my wheelhouse. Like coming from concept art, that was the fun bit. That was the bit that I loved doing, and so I've always feel like when you love doing something, that's the bit that you're gonna put the most energy in, put the most time in, but it's gonna feel easier. The hardest bit for me was coming from not a programming background, having to learn Unity, having to learn coding, having to use GitHub and Visual Studio and all these things I'd never really delved into. So I was teaching myself as I was going. And I think when you're doing things like that, it makes the process just a little bit longer because obviously you're learning how to do something, you're implementing it in the game, it inevitably breaks, you're fixing it, you've learned something, your coding gets better, you're like all of these things get better, but it takes time because you're having to redo things like three or four times to get them the way that you actually want them. And you've mentioned as
0: well, just like there are a couple of additional projects. Is there kind of, um? um can you tell a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, so over at Arrogant Pixel, we're currently working on a few things and the ones that I can talk about are Territorial, which is our RTS game um everybody who knows what rts games are real time strategy games normally thinks that they're going to see something very war based very historical clash of kings etc like uh, something that's very like i call it dry but that's because i'm coming from like an art point of view like i find The aesthetic's quite dry. Um, This RTS is a little bit different because we're coming at it from a more wholesome, family-friendly point of view. It's a first-time RTS user-friendly. It's console-friendly. And to me, I think it's beautiful. So I absolutely love working on this project because I think it subverts expectations, which is always what I love working on when I'm working on a game. And the other project that we're working on is Traders of the Silk Road which is actually our physical card game, because not only do we work on digital games, but we also work on physical games as well. We've got an incredible game designer who has created this really beautiful trading mechanic. So as you probably guessed from the name, it's about trading on the Silk Road, trading goods bartering against your friends backstabbing your friends poisoning them stealing things from them it's a very very competitive cute game um and i adore playing it and it's my first foray into physical games and i've just absolutely fallen in love with making board games and we have more in the works that we're talking about but this is the one that's coming out soon
2: i really like that because um i feel like rts uh especially has yes, taken the backseat with a lot of these FPS games coming out. So it's good to see people still waving that flag. Um, is there anything that um, you're taking from your previous games and you're trying to bring that into, say, the, the RTS game or like uh, the card game?
1: Yeah, um, I'm always trying to think of a narrative and I'm always thinking about art, obviously. And as art director, I get the privilege of being able to sort of dictate the art direction on a lot of our projects, which I'm honored that they allow me to do that because I came in sort of a bit later to the RTS project than them. They'd already started, they'd kicked it off, they had most of the mechanics that they wanted, and I'm now making it pretty, basically, which I love. It's my favorite thing to do is come into a project and just be able to improve, hopefully, the project. So the things I've brought from being a solo dev into this project are just being able to like help out with perspective. So because again, I've made games, even though I'm the art director, Aragon Pixel is totally open to me being like, Hey, what about if this happened or we did this or have we thought about this, but from an art point of view as well. And so you get those really cool ideas And then the same is sort of said for them when they're looking at anything I'm working on. They're like, have you thought about this from this perspective? Or like, hey, I'm the programmer, but have you thought about this for the art? And it's great to have that collaborative sort of process. So yeah, I think we're all bringing all of our previous works into this one game now, which is very cool.
0: And for example, because you have experience of being a solar um, game uh, developer, do you have any... Um, sort of like advice for people who actually wants to start,
1: wants to create their own game. and Absolutely. I. It's so funny because there's some real discourse happening right now about there being too many games on the market and I could not disagree more. I think that there are different games for different people. And so by having more games, you just get to actually choose the quality games. You get to choose the right game for you. You get to invest in those games. So please don't be scared to start making your own game. I would say my biggest piece of advice is a financial one. I happened to not have a job during the time I set up my company because of it being the pandemic and having a contract just finished. If I could have started my game while also still working, I would have been a lot happier because I was constantly worried about setting up the company how much it costs to even register your company at company's house, how much it costs to open a bank account, how much it costs on um VAT, if you're doing outsource. Like there's so many tiny little bits in financials that can really stress you out. So that's my number one tip is if you can have another source of income and it allows you in the meantime to just kick off that project, do that. <laughs> have less stress. Like make sure you can be fed first is always the thing that I say. Like make sure that you're not gonna lose your home, not eat, like make sure that stress isn't on you because you can't make good games under that sort of pressure. And the second one is probably more about being a solo dev. Like I really enjoyed being a solo dev, but I enjoy more being in a team. And part of the reason for that is when you're a solo dev and you run the company, you're the CEO, your HR, your admin, your finances, and you're a developer. And all of those other things to keep the company running, I'm sure I'm sure you both know, they sort of have to be done first. And there are so many times that you're filling in tax forms and you're like, this is taking me away from actually working on the game and that is stressing me out. I just want to work on the game. So when you're working in a bigger team, there are people who can help you sort of lighten the load. We do that over at Arrogant Pixel, we obviously have someone who is very good at biz dev and so she is out there every day pitching, selling, making sure we're getting these outsourcing gigs, like making sure we survive while the rest of us work on production. So that has lightened the load. If you have a good team that you trust, that's the team you should be working with, but also don't go into business with people that you don't trust. Cause I've just heard too many horror stories.
2: So, uh, going back to your, uh, experience in Woodward, um, like, is there any um, is there anything on the horizon with Weirdrin? Are you uh, perhaps planning to work on a project or is there something in the works that you can share with us?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, Weirdrin is still there. Um, joining Arrogant Pixel didn't take me away from Weirdrin. I've kept Weirdrin running. Um, obviously, projects come a little slower now because I'm obviously focusing on a couple of different things at the same time. I had initially kicked up another game that I was working on, um, a management sim game. That's still floating around in the back of my mind. We've had, um, internal business talks at Arrogant Pixel about whether they want to jump on and help me with that because we're all just game nerds. And if there's an idea that we all like, we all sort of just aim at it with, you know, 120%. So, there's a couple of different things I can't talk about at Arrogant Pixel that we're working on. There's a couple of things at Wardron that I can't talk about that I'm working on. But yes, behind the scenes, there's like a million different things happening.
0: And I think it's just like I really wanted to ask you about like um, being a woman in the gaming industry. Do you, do you, have, do you feel do you have a lot of support or was it really hard at the very beginning? Um, tell a bit more about that.
1: Yeah, um, I wish it wasn't something we had to still talk about in 2023, but being a woman in the industry does come with its own struggles. Um, I think being anything that's even slightly left field of being a straight white man in the industry adds its own different burdens. The biggest thing I would say about being a woman in games or or being a minority in games or being anything in games is find your people who are going to help and support you and champion you. I am a Women in Games ambassador. I'm an Inter Games ambassador. I'm constantly trying to find ways that I can help give people a hand up into the industry because I wish I had had that when I started. Um, I'm super lucky that I have like a really, really fantastic group of other women in games that I go for brunch with. We have a group chat. Like Those are the people that when I'm having those really tough days, I'm messaging and saying, look, I've had a really bad day today. Um, I messaged them uh, like a couple of years ago when someone at a convention thought that I was just the help at the booth <laughs> and not, in fact, a developer, because how could a woman be a developer? And I was like instantly in the WhatsApp group being like, oh, my God, you'll never guess what just happened to me. <laughs> and those are the people that are there to be outraged with you and stop you going on a Twitter tirade <laughs> and support you and then go for some drinks.
0: I think I had, like, experience, but um, not uh, in in gaming industry, but back when I was a scientist. I remember one one of the conferences, I was, like, studying with the poster, like, my research, and uh, I think it was just, like, one professor came to me and just, like, oh, do you know, he was thinking that I'm, like, from the management or, or, or organizing an event, so I don't have anything to present, <laughs> so it was a bit sad. I know it's kind of, like, but we, there is still a lot of, like, Bias, but it felt a bit just like oh, I'm actually here to present my research so I <laughs>
1: yeah, totally get it it's crazy that it still happens and yeah I've been in in business meetings where I've sat down at the table to pitch my game my company and they've been like oh when is the developer joining us just thinking that I'm there as admin or I don't know like my, like you said like a manager or something and it's like no no this is my company and my game, or this is my research and my project. Please acknowledge that I did this.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's a a bit sad that things like that are still happening. But I feel like, um, you know, having diversity in games is really important. It brings uh, a new variety of genres as well. Like, uh, in fact, the stuff that uh, you talked about in terms of what you're trying to do, personally, with uh, um. Is more, I guess, more sim focused and everything. So, like when I think of the stereotypical game dev, once again, to get into, um, you know, gaming, it'll probably be some kind of FPS or um, survival, kind of you know, action oriented uh, kind of thing. But all the titles that you've kind of shared is is a little bit more, I guess, is a lot more uh, complex social structure and a lot more backstory and things behind it, like. What is your thoughts on this? Like, Do you feel like there is value in bringing this kind of, uh, elevating these new genres in the game gaming industry?
1: Yeah, I, again, I'm a big, big advocate of we need more diversity in the industry because I think then we get more diverse games, which mean better gameplay experiences. The more voices you have in the room that can add to discussion, the more likely you are to come up with a solution to problems that we've previously had in games. You're not going to get those good, good solutions if all the same people are chiming in and chorusing and saying, yeah, that's a great idea, that thing that we've not checked if anyone's going to be upset by it. We've not checked if this is culturally insensitive. We've not checked if this is going to you know, cause massive Twitter feuds. Like Having those different voices and those different perspectives can only make your game better. Like There's very little negative to having more people with more perspective work on your game. I think we're in an interesting place where, like I said, there's this sort of a discord around like having too many games and we're all competing against each other. But actually, the person who plays a cozy narrative game might not be the person who's playing that first-person shooter. So you're you're targeting completely different markets. There's enough room for everybody and there's enough room for different games even inside of the same genre because of those different points of view. That's the point. You're making games that people are going to enjoy and love, and you should be thinking about your player base, not every player base.
0: What would you say was the most exciting development in the game industry, maybe like over the past year?
1: Yeah, I'm constantly learning about new things because as I said, I'm sort of new to programming and I'm new to sort of working in engine as of like the last few years. So anytime anybody on my team shows me some cool plugin or some cool thing that they're working on, or even internally, we work on our own tools when they're showing me these things, I'm constantly astounded that these things exist and that they make my life as the art director easier. Um, We're working on some cool internal stuff. Recently, we just shared this cool Unity plugin called Feel. Um, We've just, as of like literally today, started messing around with it and learning what it is. And we've got somebody who's sort of trying to make us a cheat sheet internally so that some of us who are Maybe not as well versed with it can still use it and make it look cool. Um, but it basically adds like a load of, um, interesting functions to your UI and it allows you to do things like animate and camera shakes. And it's just, it's a lot better than having those like static moments, even when you're in menu. So I'm constantly astounded by stuff like that because when I, because I'm part of the UI team as well as the art department. So we're doing a full UI rebrand right now and I'm thinking statically and then they're showing me these things that allow me to have a lot more interest on the screen. It's just mind blowing to me. And it's things that I've never thought about because I'm coming from like a concept art background and then they're showing me all this cool stuff that code can do. And I'm like, Whoa, why did no one show me this before? So In terms of like innovative things that have happened in the last year, there's probably too many for me to mention because I am so like on the back foot with that stuff. But yeah, I'm always interested in any sort of innovation in our industry, mainly because I just think our industry is so good at pushing boundaries in tech. Um, I really want to learn more about motion capture. That's like one of the big things that I would love to do, but I haven't had the opportunity because of the types of games that I've made where we don't, fully need the, those actors to be motion captured but that would be something that i would be really excited to try and i'm sure there have been a million different innovations um especially with uh, Weta and james cameron bringing out incredibly massive cgi movies every couple of years so
0: those who are listening and if you know how to get into motion capture and help Sully,
1: <laughs> please contact her Yeah, send me all of your cheat sheets <laughs>
2: Actually, a really quick quick question on that. Can you can you just tell us, like, what sort of the tools you use day to day to get your work done, and what kind of, uh, I guess, workflow you find very effective with the kind of work you do?
1: Yeah. So um, on the art side, it's the entire Adobe suite. Basically, unfortunately, we are slaves to Adobe, and they hold all the cards really um so photoshop um after effects uh even premiere really just for us editing our trailers and things like that it's all done through the adobe suite um unity maya blender because um again we're sort of agnostic on technology over at arrogant pixel so we have some artists that are blender artists some that are maya artists some zbrush so we kind of let people do whatever they need to do to get the product finished. We're not, you know, hard and fast. This is the only software we will ever let you use. Substance Painter, um, what else do we use? But we're mostly Unity devs. We do have some people on the team who are Unreal experts. And we did, I'm sure everybody knows about the Unity thing that happened recently, we did float the idea very quickly of making our own engine and then very quickly backed out of that. Um, I'm also a very big, like, organization person, so we tend to use Notion, we have a Jira board, we have, like, a lot of different ways that we keep in contact with each other, and we also use Discord. Um, It's our main way of having group calls, it's really great for being able to share screen, share multiple screens, show everybody what you're working on, have big meetings, and do playtesting as well while playing. And... I think it's just like I really want to
0: hear about your hopes and predictions for the future of the field uh, and
1: your projects as well. Um, my hopes for my projects are I really hope Territorial gets signed. That's the thing that we're doing right now. We're, we're pitching um, with our RTS game. We are about to potentially launch on Kickstarter for our Traders of the Silk Road. We do have a pre-launch page right now, so if anybody wants to go find that, it's just Traders of the Silk Road at Kickstarter. Um, I'm hoping that takes off because, again, that would just mean I get to make more more and more board games, which I'm excited about. And for the industry as a whole, what I would love to see is less layoffs (laughs) because we've had too many of those this year. I would like to see um, more accessibility in the industry. I see a lot of job posts around either entry-level jobs or companies who are talking about accessibility, but they have no real actionable plan in place to allow for people of differing abilities to come on in. So even um, we're talking about like entry-level jobs that demand you having X amount of experience, which you obviously don't have if you're a brand new starter in the industry, but also all the way through to, you know, we're a really neurodiverse industry. Um, you just have to look at the Yuki census to see how incredibly neurodiverse we are. We need more accessibility options. You know, we've come through a pandemic. Most of us have learned about remote working. There are things there we could be doing to p- make people's lives more comfortable and allow them to work to the best of their ability. So it's just more, I'm more hopeful that companies are gonna start to recognize that, you know, you don't need your talent to be locked in a room in a building you can work remotely and we can allow people to have lives outside of the games industry
2: great answer uh we've reached the end of the podcast so i'd like to give you uh the last minute or so just uh, you know any last words you want to leave to our listeners and uh, how can they find out more about the work you do or uh or whatever you get up to these days
1: you can find me chronically online almost anywhere. Um, I'm over on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. Um, Sally Shepherd underscore. Um, I'm over on TikTok where I share a lot of behind the scenes of what I do in a day. That's Sally Game Dev. Um, you can find me basically everywhere, just Sally Shepherd or Sally Game Dev. That's... Uh, my most common username. And I'm always, always, always happy to talk to people about game devving. And if you have any questions or want to know anything, please just at me.
0: Great. It was great to have you on. And we will add all the links into the description so you can find Sally easily.
1: Thank you so much for
0: having me. Thank you. It's
2: been great having you.
0: Bye. Yay.
2: Bye. Bye. Bye.